2: Good morning, it's 8.30 on Thursday, January 27th. I'm Desiree Frazier, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, a closer look at lawmakers' big move towards a medical marijuana program. Then, legislation to ban so-called critical race theory in Mississippi gains momentum. Educators in neighboring states react. And we talk kids and COVID with a leading pediatrician in the state. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. After months of confusion and speculation, a bill to legalize medical marijuana in the state has passed both the House and the Senate and is headed to the governor's desk. Republican State Senator Kevin Blackwell of South Haven was one of the architects of the legislation.
0: Well, I'm uh, certainly happy for the patients that we did try to do this for, and it's been about seven months that uh, both the Senate and House have been working on this. It's good to, to finally come to a conclusion.
2: Blackwell alludes to the fact that this legislation seems to have come together both slowly and all at once. We're joined now by MPB reporter Kobe Vance, who's been at the Capitol as all this has played out. Kobe, let's start at the beginning. How did we get here?
0: Initiative 65 was a ballot initiative that Mississippians voted on in the 2020 election. 67% of voters said they wanted medical marijuana and 74% of voters said they wanted that specific program. However, That that ballot initiative was overturned in the state court as the ballot initiative process was ruled to be unconstitutional because of a technicality on how many districts the state currently has versus what was in the state's constitution for the ballot initiative process. And leaders in the Mississippi legislature have been undergoing process for several months now to try to recreate a medical marijuana program in the state to try to put that program back in place for Mississippians who originally voted for it.
2: Is that why legislators have moved on this first bill and passed it through both chambers so quickly?
0: Governor Tate Reeves had said that he was going to call a special session of the legislature to be able to have this program passed earlier. However, he never did call that special session because the legislature never created a bill that had what he was hoping for out of a medical marijuana program. Friend, the legislature was hoping to make a bill that was more towards what the state voted for, whereas Governor Tate Reeves says that he wanted tighter restrictions on how much marital marijuana somebody could get per week. Governor says that the three and a half grams that was originally proposed in the bill was too much. Now, Mississippi voters voted for five ounces per month, but now the most recent bill that was passed in the House reduces that down to three ounces per month.
2: Do you think that was changed by lawmakers to reach an agreement with the governor so he would sign it?
0: Activists say that's about what's happened. That's, it's a middle ground. as some lawmakers in the House described it. It would be easier to increase the allotment of medical marijuana somebody gets to receive per week in the coming years. However, it would be exponentially more difficult to reduce the amount somebody could get per week in the, in the coming years. And so they decided to basically err on the side of caution when it comes to medical marijuana so that in the future they could increase the allotment that somebody could receive.
2: I know this is a very detailed bill, but can you give us like a skeleton's view of how this program is going to work?
0: Starting at the bottom, cultivators are not going to be able to grow this cannabis outdoors. It's going to have to be grown inside uh, secure buildings those buildings are going to be overseen by specific organizations through the Department of Health. Originally, the bill had the Department of Agriculture and Commerce involved. However, a recent amendment to the bill removed that oversight completely and placed all that back underneath the Department of Health, which was more in line with what the original balloting process had in mind. Additionally, their program will be overseen uh, not by pharmacists, medical marijuana will be distributed through what is called dispensaries. Because marijuana is a Schedule One drug nationally, here in Mississippi it will have to be given out through certificates or
2: what does Schedule One mean?
0: Schedule one is basically the highest classification of drug that's something it could be for the DEA. And it is considered a highly dangerous drug. Now this is on the same level as something like LSD. And nationally, there's been arguments that this needs to be reduced. However, for the time being, that's what it is. And so another thing that might come up with this is people who want to participate in this medical marijuana program, because it is uh, that classification nationally, you would be breaking federal law when purchasing marijuana in Mississippi for, through this program. That means that if you were to want to purchase a gun in the future, you would not be able to. Because when you apply to purchase a gun in You must check a section that says, I have not broken any state or federal laws within X amount of time. And if you were to participate in this program, you would be breaking federal law, although you would not be at risk of any legal action because it would be legal in Mississippi.
2: Would there be background checks?
0: There would be background checks. And so, again, lawmakers said that unless somebody were to lie on their application, they would not be able to purchase a gun under this uh, medical marijuana program. However, some described it as giving up some of your rights to be able to have a, a healthier life.
2: How will people qualify for the medical marijuana program?
0: Patients will be giving cards by their doctors that allow them to purchase uh, up to the legal limit per week, which would be six units of three and a half grams. And that would be a total of three ounces per month. With these cards, they'll go to a dispensary and they'll be able to purchase that marijuana and they have to have one of several debilitating diseases to be able to qualify through their doctor. Again, these are not prescriptions because of the classification of the drug; They're more like certificates. So a doctor won't be able to limit further how much somebody can get per week or whenever somebody wants to qualify, they have to have a debilitating illness like cancer or epilepsy, something that would be very detrimental to their life on a daily basis. And lawmakers are hoping that this can help offset the opioid epidemic in Mississippi. And actually, in Forest County, that county has one of the highest opioid prescriptions per capita in the nation. I think it's within the top 20. And so they're hopeful that the pain-relieving abilities of marijuana can offset the need for prescription opiates in the state.
2: The measure passed both the House and the Senate, but there were concerns expressed during the debates. What were some of those?
0: Like I mentioned earlier, guns have been part of the problem uh, of the debate. People are concerned that this will be stripping of their, their rights to purchase firearms. Under this bill, it would not take away somebody's rights to hold out firearms. They would still be able, if they have firearms already, they'll be able to purchase those. But if you want to purchase a new firearm, under this program, you would have to give up that right. Another thing is combustible forms of uh, marijuana, whether it be a joint or uh, smoked through another form of pipe or bong or things like that. Those forms have been highly contested. Some in the Senate had posed a uh, an early amendment that would have banned those forms of combustible marijuana. However, that amendment did fail. Other debates have come through the. Uh, the idea of how much somebody should, re- should receive within that time frame. The governor said time and time again that the three and a half grams that somebody can receive per day, that's now under the most recent amendment six days per week. That's too much. And it would create 11 joints per day. Um, however, lawmakers were able to bring in some uh, sample of marijuana to the Capitol and show exactly how much that actually that looks like in the house Representative Yancey, who chairs the Drug Policy Committee, actually brought in several cigarettes. He brought in three and a half cigarettes to be specific. And he said that this is actually how much one of these bags of marijuana could actually make in terms of joints per day, which would be a far cry from the governor's 11 joints per day.
2: Are lawmakers saying that there are enough votes to override a veto by the governor?
0: It seems to be that way. Plus, the governor would be under immense pressure by the people of the state who actually voted on this back you know, in 2020 and have been waiting for nearly two years to get their medical marijuana program.
2: You've been at the Capitol a lot since the session started. What else has happened that you'd like to tell us about?
0: Well, we've been seeing things move wrong around the of, uh, teacher pay. We've seen two bills uh, come in the House and the Senate. And the Senate on Friday last week actually passed the teacher pay raise bill that came from the House. And so that bill will be going to the governor's desk, and teachers will be getting a pay raise in the coming weeks. There has been a bill that was also passed on Friday in the Senate. It's titled Critical Race Theory to prohibit that in schools. However, the bill specifically does not list that as something that would be prohibited by name. It would actually prohibit the teachings that any race, religion, ethnicity, or sex is superior or inferior to others actually black lawmakers in the Senate, walked out during that vote because they felt that this would undermine the state's ability to teach adequately the dark history of racism in Mississippi. And then finally, um, there are certainly bills going around right now about allocations. Um, We have a lot of federal dollars coming in, whether it be coronavirus-related or infrastructure-related, and all those fundings have to be allocated pretty quickly to be able to make sure the state can respond, not just... To the coronavirus as it is currently, but also set up an infrastructure for health care that could, you know, make a, a better state for Mississippians in the coming years and decades.
2: What's the attitude towards COVID at the Capitol? Are people masking up and distancing?
0: It depends on who you're looking at. But you see several masks, but you see a lot of noses. There was already one scare back when the lieutenant governor received, uh, tested positive for COVID in the first week of the session. Not a matter of time until there's an outbreak at the capital.
2: Anything else you're going to keep an eye out on for us?
0: I think one of the biggest things we'll have to keep a look at is allocations and how the state does choose to, uh, to set up programs that would use these fundings for the long term. But also how the state can support a lot of industries that have staffing shortages at the Department of Transportation, at hospitals across the state. Staffing shortages are affecting pretty much everywhere. And that's because the state has been non-competitive when it comes to wages for so long. And experts have been saying that the 3% raise that many of us deployed by the state got just in this month is not enough. And so the state will continue to look into ways to make jobs more accessible, more attractive, and more retentive in the coming weeks.
2: MPB's Kobe Vance, thank you so much for all the work that you're doing down at the Capitol to keep us abreast of what's happening. Thank you for having me. Coming up legislation to ban so-called critical race theory in Mississippi gains momentum. Educators in neighboring States react. This is Mississippi edition on MPB think radio.
0: Deep South dining is the show all about the culture of southern flavor from fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our mpb public media app
2: This is a Mississippi edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Mississippi Senate last week passed a bill that would ban so-called critical race theory in the state. Black lawmakers walked off the Senate floor in protest right before the vote. The incident speaks to growing tensions over how the history of race in America should and should not be taught in Mississippi's public schools. And educators in neighboring states are paying close attention. Kira Miles of our partner station, WBHM, in Birmingham reports. Okay,
1: good morning, guys. Every time she begins a new unit, Anna Mavry Gray changes the posters on the walls of her classroom.
3: I think we have just started to talk about Jackson attacking the second.
1: She's a history teacher at the Alabama School of Fine Arts in Birmingham. And right now, her walls feature maps showing what's known as the Trail of Tears. Next, she'll put up posters of abolitionists who fought for the end of slavery.
3: I've always sort of said that when it comes to teaching American history, I teach the good, the bad, and the ugly.
1: Gray, who is white, says telling the whole story has always been important in her lessons.
3: Frankly, I would challenge
1: anyone to come into
3: my classroom and tell me that I'm teaching anything that isn't the truth.
1: But in Alabama, Mississippi, and other parts of the country, the truth of American history is being challenged. Because of three little words. Critical race theory.
0: Critical race theory. Critical
1: race theory out of school. The American Bar Association outlines it as an academic concept that examines the role of race and racism as an inherent part of systems in America. It's become a political football, even something Alabama Governor Kate Ivey is campaigning on.
0: Thank God we live in Alabama.
1: There's no critical race theory in our schools. Critical race theory has never been taught in K through twelve schools and is reserved for classes in higher education. But the Alabama Department of Education banned it in K through twelve public schools last summer. Now, new legislation would prohibit teaching, quote, divisive concepts regarding race or sex in higher education as well. Sponsors of the bill argue that certain topics could make students uncomfortable or believe that one race or sex is inherently better than the other. That's the argument Louisiana Representative Ray Garafalo used when he proposed a similar bill in 2021.
0: Critical race theory demands a new kind of segregation that divides people based on their race and the color of their skin. It furthers racism and fuels hate
1: who who is white, also made a comment about teaching the, quote, good in slavery, and his argument disintegrated. But attorney Robert McDuff says even when bills that limit teacher speech do pass, they rarely go anywhere. McDuff, who's white, is with the Mississippi Center for Justice.
0: Generally, when politicians try to micromanage what teachers teach in the classroom, uh, they run afoul of the First Amendment to the United States Constitution lengthy and costly legal battles ensue, and, and the state governments surely lose.
1: Regardless of what happens in the legislature, teachers like Barry McNeely say it won't change how he teaches history. History
2: shouldn't be a resume. It shouldn't be something that we edit to stray away from things that are
1: uncomfortable. McNeely, who is black, is the historical content expert at the Birmingham Civil Rights Institute and a social studies teacher at Parker High School. Life is
2: uncomfortable. And if we take out those parts of history that are challenging and uncomfortable, then it really negates the purpose of teaching it in the first place.
1: One of the bills in Alabama would require public K-12 schools and universities to fire employees who teach certain concepts regarding race or sex. We shouldn't be shackling teachers and making them afraid to have these conversations. Nefertari Yancey is a social studies teacher at Clay Chalkville Middle School. She's Black and says having discussions about racism and history with students is essential. It doesn't matter what bill or what resolution you put in place, they're going to ask the question, so why are we avoiding having the conversation? Teachers also worry the debate over critical race theory is overshadowing staffing shortages and learning loss, issues they consider far more critical to learning. For the Gulf States Newsroom, I'm Kyra Miles.
2: The Gulf States Newsroom is a collaboration among public media stations in Alabama, Mississippi, and Louisiana. Kira Miles is a Report for America Corps member reporting on education for WBHM. Coming up, we talk kids and COVID with a leading pediatrician in the state. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Mississippi's Department of Health announced late yesterday that a child under the age of 18 has died of the coronavirus. Like every other one of the other nine Mississippi children killed by COVID-19, since the onset of the pandemic, the person was unvaccinated. Dr. Anita Henderson is a pediatrician at Hattiesburg Clinic. She speaks with Kobe Vance.
3: Every pediatric death is a tragedy and unfortunately during this Omicron surge we have just seen so many children contract coronavirus that unfortunately we were concerned about additional pediatric deaths. We now have the vaccine that's available for ages five and up and we only have um, a small percentage of children in Mississippi who are vaccinated. Adults who are eligible, um, children 12 and up who are eligible really should get a booster shot, and that will help protect them against Omicron. Children 5 and up should get vaccinated. That's the only way for us to lower community transmission rates to help help protect those children, particularly those under the age of 5. We are seeing a lot of cases, particularly in my clinic, the pediatric clinic of infants and toddlers who are testing positive for coronavirus. They're catching coronavirus primarily through siblings and family members. So if we can get those family members vaccinated, protect them against COVID, they're less likely to transmit it to the children.
0: Pediatric deaths are not common. Uh, This is only the 10th death, but there are some other side effects that could be long lasting. Can you talk a little bit about those?
3: What we see typically after a peak four to six weeks later is a rise in multi-system inflammatory syndrome of children. That is an a disease that causes inflammation of the blood vessels, and it happens four to six weeks later. So that's also something that we are starting to see and see children hospitalized for. Many of those children don't even have symptoms of COVID at the time, or they may have a mild illness, and then four to six weeks later, what we're looking at is high fevers, rashes, swelling of the hands, conjunctivitis, And it can cause cardiac abnormalities. So that's something we tell parents when their child has coronavirus, is that if in a few weeks they develop new symptoms, new fevers, new shortness of breath, we need to evaluate them for multisystem inflammatory syndrome. The other thing we're also seeing in kids is long COVID symptoms. Kids who are continuing to have shortness of breath, continuing to have fatigue, continuing to have high heart rate. And studies have come out even recently that one in 10 children who have coronavirus may go on to suffer long COVID.
2: This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Stick around for a full morning of Mississippi Radio. Coming up at 9, it's Creature Comforts. Then at 10, it's AutoCorrect. And at 11, don't miss Southern Remedy. Find past installments of this and other Think Radio shows online at mpbonline.org. I'm Desiree Frazier. See you tomorrow at 8.30 for the next Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Have a great day.